Welcome to Legal Ease Australia, presented by a layman and a lawyer. It's designed to demystify the legal process. It'll answer questions like, how do I buy a property? And what do I do if I get arrested? As well as featuring some of Melbourne's leading legal minds and most compelling cases. This is Legal Ease Australia. Uh, welcome to the second episode of Legal Ease. My name is Tom Andronis. I'm the layman in this conversation and I'll be the one asking the silly, ill-informed questions. And uh, joining me as co-host is John Melia. He's the lawyer in the conversation. He's principal at Melia Lawyers. He's a barrister, a solicitor and a member of the Law Institute of Victoria. John, good day. Good day, Tom. How are you? Very well. We've got some special guest on today. We're joined by Rosalind Avis, who is a barrister at the Victorian Bar. Hi, Rosalind. Hi, how are you? Very well. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Um, we're going to ask a seemingly silly question today, which is, what do I do if I get arrested? But first, we'll, um, we'll learn a little about you. What, what sort of law do you practice? Um, predominantly criminal law mm-hmm. um, with a bit of quasi-crime. What does that mean? A bit of, uh, sort of uh, VOCAT, VCAT, coronial inquest, the uh, sort of things linked to criminal law, but right. predominantly criminal law. Quasi-crime is not, a, I mean, as the layman in this conversation, <laughs> I don't think I've that's a pro- technical term. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought that, uh, well, if you commit a crime, it's a crime, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Shades of grey. There's offshoots like everything else. For example, intervention orders. Uh-huh. It's not exactly a criminal offence in some circumstances. Until you breach one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, there you go. I'm learning something. This is uh, it's very good. <laughs> so predominantly um, criminal law. How long have you been practising? Uh, I was called to the bar in England in 2004. Okay. So uh, you probably know, 13 years. know vaguely what you're talking about, yeah. which is uh, which is good. And what attracted you to the law when you first sort of decided to go down this path with your life? When I was about 14, I did work experience. Well, in England, it's called a mini pupillage mm-hmm. with um, quite a senior criminal barrister who was very um, suave, smooth, articulate. And he took me... Um, to meet a client in down in these old Victorian cells of a magistrate's court. And in those days, you could still smoke down in the cells. And, <laughs> and it was really this um, juxtaposition between this um, suited, elegant, kind of articulate barrister and somebody who um, had a really troubled, dysfunctional life. Uh, but he spoke with, the barrister spoke to the, his client with complete respect and it was that kind of ability to help somebody who couldn't help themselves, mm. I think, was really the kind of starting point. Um, he, you know, for example, the, the barrister always referred to him by his, you know, Mr. So and so. And, you know, most people in those positions had never at any other point in their life get called with a Mr. Mm. Um, people who are you know, drug addicts, alcoholics, mental health issues, and just had a really difficult time. And I think it was that ability to speak for somebody else that I really. Um, fell in love with. Do, do you get the feeling that a lot of people approach it from that that angle? Criminal practitioners. Yeah. Um, criminal criminal law is an area that people tend to go into because they have a um, particularly defence, but because we have a sense of social justice or injustice and a desire to help people who can't help themselves um, necessarily as best as as they could or who've had really difficult lives and I think we all go into it with a sense of um, optimistic hope that we're going to make a difference whether we always do that might be debatable but um, 
I, I think that that underlines that kind of drive to to do criminal law. Do you think that you've had that impact, or have had on some people, or a lot of the people that you've worked with? Yeah, I, I, I'm sure if you ask my clients, I have. Uh-huh. Um, we tend to move, or certainly I do. I think I'm not uncommon with this. Is from case to case to case. So you put your all into something. When it finishes, you put your all into the next one, mm-hmm. and. You know, the cards that come after saying, thank you, you've made a difference. And I can think of certain cases where, for example, a daughter of a client who was acquitted, you know, send me a card. And those moments really make it worth worthwhile. Mm. And no doubt you all lawyers who play in the criminal space are exposed to some pretty horrific stuff. You yeah. know, how do you how do you handle that? You know, dealing with people who have done or are accused of having done some pretty horrible I'm not allowed to say wine, am I? (laughs) (laughs) You can say gin, wine. No, gin, wine. Um, uh, (laughs) The criminal bar is particularly collegiate. Uh Um, We have a really, in Victoria, we have a really brilliant support system amongst colleagues. Um, Chambers, um, I'm here in Gorman Chambers, and we are um, uh, really uh, look after each other. And so if you've had a really tough day or having a tough time coming back into chambers and just debriefing with your colleagues is what um gets you through it debriefing is that what we're calling it yeah yeah yeah, debriefing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. oh is that, yeah that's, and that doesn't have to be with wine oh right okay it can be with gin as well <laughs> it can be with gin yeah. too or beer or anything else <laughs> cool <laughs> so um one of the ideas of this podcast is to try and demystify the law and the processes around it and we're going to ask you a really basic question today but it's one that some people uh, will inevitably find themselves in this situation, and and the question is, what do I do if I get arrested? So, we'll set up a hypothetical. Um, I've done something dumb, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got myself arrested. Um, looks like I might be in a bit of strife. In the movies, there's usually you know a gun pointed at me, and some aggressive mm. cop tells me I have the right to remain silent. Is that how it happens in the state of Victoria? Well, we're not in America. No, so the answer is no. Um- <laughs> And I think that's part of the problem is a lot of people think of us as an American system. Yeah, we don't walk around and you can't handle the truth, none of that. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is to say nothing that you don't have to. Uh-huh. So you're only really required to give your name, address, date of birth at that stage. Part of the problem is sometimes for people is that they can get a little bit mouthy um, with police officers. You're never mm. going to win that one. Yep. Stay calm, polite, in control. And... Uh, if you're arrested and you're taken to a police station, is to call a solicitor. Always, always have legal advice before you're interviewed. I think it'd be pretty easy when you know when you've been arrested uh, to panic. Absolutely. You know, and and so how how does one keep their head about them in that scenario, assuming that they're not under the influence of all sorts of different things? I'm not at sure time. that people always do. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't know. I've never um, been arrested. No, neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think knowing your knowing some of your rights beforehand. Uh-huh. I think that we, um, as a society, probably aren't educated about our rights enough, um, and people can find out uh, basic rights. Uh, there's some really good websites um, online, and there's um, I know Fitzroy Legal Service have a yeah, really brilliant Fitz, website. Fitzroy Legal Service does, and it has a very good uh, the law handbook that they Absolutely. publish every year, yeah. which has some very good basic rights for people. Mm. Yeah. So knowing what you do when you're arrested or when you, if someone wants to stop and search you or, um, so I think, I think the key to it is that a lot of, um, people think, oh, well, I've done nothing wrong and therefore I'll just go to interview and tell them what's happened. Yeah. I understand 
why when somebody hasn't been in trouble with the law, particularly in a lot of my, um, I specialise in sexual offences and a lot of people um, who are uh, interviewed in regards to sexual offending have never been interviewed before. Mm. Um, and they think, oh, well, it was, you know, I've got nothing to hide. I'll just go in there. But can't stress enough. It's really important to have legal advice before you go into an interview. I think a lot of people would feel that calling a lawyer would almost feel like an admission of guilt. You know, I've got something to hide here. That's not the case? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Beyond a no pretense, when the police are interviewing you, they're looking to charge. Their primary role is to work out how to charge you. Yeah. And if there's enough evidence to make sure they charge you. Yeah. They're not there to be your friends or to hold your hands. They're there to charge you. It was quite a surprise when I moved to Victoria from the English system where the English um, have a culture where solicitors sit in the interviews and they are present. And I, I, before I was properly qualified, I sat and typed up the interviews for police as a summer job. And the difference between having a lawyer present and someone being unrepresented was immense. Mm. Um, and that really, I mean, that's going back to um, before I was qualified, of really stuck in my mind of it's really important to make sure that you've had that legal advice before. Um, in Victoria, sisters don't tend to sit in the interview. There's no reason why they can't. Um, and I did it when I first came to the bar. Uh, there's been a theory that you, well, it's true, you could potentially be called as a witness. I think that carries less weight now because everything's recorded. Everything's video recorded. What does it matter if you've got a solicitor sat in there or not? But the tenor and the tone changes when there's been legal advice. And the other difference that I was quite surprised was coming is that in England, you weren't allowed to authorise charge, which um, prosecution does, if uh, you couldn't interview if you'd already made a decision about the charges. So you couldn't authorise charge before interviewing. So it was very much a different type of interview in the view of, well, what have we actually got out of this? Is it, are we able to charge or not? And in Victoria, it's not, it doesn't have that same feeling. Um, You know, as a matter of of fair investigation, impartiality, all the, the key words that the police should be doing. But in reality, people are told at the end of an interview that they will be charged with something. And that changes the whole purpose of the interview, in, in my view. Yeah. So I, I think that this this myth that the police are there just to get your side of the story it is just to be debunked, really. I, I don't think mm. it, it, people shouldn't go and interview. If they are arrested and they're being interviewed, the police aren't there to be your friend. Mm. They're there to build a case. And it's not an admission of anything if you get legal advice. If it's an admission of anything, it says, I'm not legally qualified and I don't know what I'm doing. Having said that, I am legally qualified and I still would get advice if I was being interviewed. Right. Even so, even as, as a barrister yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because, well, presumably you can't be impartial on your own advice. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you know, you'd never appear for yourself. Well, you, know, well, you might. Anyone sensible wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I've been arrested. I'm at the police station. The police want to ask me some questions. At, at what point do I call my lawyer? How does that happen? Do I have to say to the officer, I want to call a lawyer? Or do they say to me, do you want to call a lawyer? Both can happen. Uh-huh. Um, before you're interviewed, you must be given your legal rights by the police officers. Now, there's two different... Obviously, in Victoria, we have state um, Victoria police and we have, obviously, the AFP can interview yeah. as well. Uh, and actually, the border, uh, Australia Border Force can too. Um, but before any interview... Um, if it's to be relied upon as evidence, um, you must have your rights given to you. And that's the caution of the right to remain silence and that you have the right to speak to a lawyer. Um, I should have just said before in regards to when you arrest, having said, say nothing. Mm. Um, anything that you say after a caution has the potential of being used in evidence. So that doesn't just mean what's in an interview. It can be statements that are said before. Now, this I'm simplifying it. Yeah. Um, that's why I say say nothing mm. until you've spoken to a lawyer. 
when you get to a police station, um, if you don't have anybody in mind, um, they can provide you with a list of numbers. Um, there are uh, helplines. There's most criminal solicitors will have an out of office twenty four hour um, telephone number, mm-hmm. mobile number that's been manned by a solicitor who is um, able to give you out of hours advice. Sometimes I've heard it. Police say, oh, well, you know, you can have one. Obviously, you can arrange one, but it's going to delay the interview. Delay it. It doesn't matter if you're delayed by an hour. It's more important to have that advice beforehand. Mm, Because it could have serious impact on your life. Absolutely. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to go into an interview and necessarily say no comment, but it means that you should know what disclosure the police have. So what what evidence do they have against you? Mm. What are you actually being alleged to have done? And not just a vague thing of, oh, well, it's an allegation of, theft or something Mm. what are you said to have stolen at what point Mm -hmm. a solicitor you know it's a frightening experience being arrested and being in a police station and daunting particularly if you've never been there before even if you have done being there before it can still be quite an emotional experience Mm. um the objectivity of a of a lawyer who is on your side is what you need just to give you that advice as to okay this is how you're best to proceed you know, is it going to be something that you're going to be contesting? Is it going to be a plea? How serious is it? What do they actually have? Um, you need that advice before you answer any questions. And the number of times I've heard people, clients in interview, when I've gone through and watched the interview, say, oh, well, um, I don't really know any any solicitors. Oh, you know, um, all right, I'll just get on with it. And you just think, oh, if only you said, no, no, I don't know any. Can I have some numbers? Yeah. Can I have a list of numbers? And that's, I mean, that's probably the one thing that, that you might, take away from this conversation is that you can ask that question and say absolutely i need some help yeah absolutely you are entitled to a lawyer and i don't the police would rather interview you when Mm. you haven't had one you know they don't want a no comment interview they want you to talk Mm. but this isn't about them this is about you and you being arrested and your future um an hour two hours whatever it is to speak to somebody is really really important John, you've probably received that phone call in the middle of the night, you know, right. at some point. Well, What's that like when I you have, get that call? That's one where you have to find out where your client's being held, what they're being held for. Normally, there'll be an initial discussion with the client. Where are you? Are you okay? Then you'll be speaking to the police officer who's looking after them in custody, telling them- This look, is all on the phone? All on the phone, uh-huh. telling them, look, don't interview them. Don't do anything. I'm on my way. It could be another half an hour, an hour, depending where they're being held, and I'll be on my way. The worst one I had was up to two in the morning out in Colac. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, they go all the way from Melbourne. So That's a bit of a hike. It was a hike, but it had to be done. If you're the, the person who picks up that call at two in the morning, can you say no? Uh, you could. You can say no, but they'll just go to someone else. Well, or- yeah, I mean, what if I'm the person in the police station and the person I've called says no? I don't, think that, I don't think that'll happen. It doesn't happen. A lot of, lot of lawyers, no, a lot of lawyers will pick up the call. Oh, right. Well, I mean, for many reasons, apart from the sense of um, going back to the collegiality of it, is that there is a sense of um, amongst solicitors and barristers who practice in defence criminal work of helping people who need to be helped. But also, if you have an out-of-office number, you want to answer it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's a new case, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess it's business, isn't it? It's business. And yeah, right. and if you can't, you'll know someone that you'll have that you can send them to that will do it quickly for you. The other thing is that there are people who have different languages. So solicitors will have, for example, Greek, Italian, Mandarin-speaking um, solicitors who can give advice as well. Right. If you can't find a solicitor so, um, that speaks a particular language, then the police should provide 
um, and they should do this anyway, but they must provide an interpreter in regards to clients who don't speak English. Um, that can be done through a sort of telephone interpretation interpreter line, even in the middle of the night. Right. But it's really important that people have advice that they understand uh, in the language they understand before they are interviewed. Right. So I haven't been charged yet at yeah. this stage, uh, but we have learnt that the police are not there to be my friend uh, and that I should absolutely um, seek advice. What happens next? Well, um, take it you've never been arrested before. No. I've so you're not on any yet. other court orders. <laughs> you're not, you don't have an intervention order against you. You're not on bail already. You don't have corrections. Doesn't sound on a corrections order. Doesn't sound like, depends what it is, um, whether you're going to be remanded or released on bail um, to appear at court. If you're uh, charged at the end of the interview, then you will be either remanded or released on bail to the, the court date, first court hearing. Mm-hmm. If they are still collecting more information, then you can be released pending a summons to event. So they're the, the more minor matters. Right. That's most common pending a summons is, is, is the most common method. So depending on the severity of what you're yeah. alleged to have done. Well, yeah. What have you so, done? So then I get then no, I don't know, but like, this is hypothetical, right? Let's not go you know crucifying Tom. But uh <laughs> but I imagine you walk out of there and go, like you're terrified at that point, right? Like you've been charged with something. Uh, you're not feeling too good about yourself, I can imagine. Well, I think, I think people get probably split into two camps on it. Um, people um, realise the enormity of what's happened. Mm. Um, they're probably the people that have got some legal advice beforehand and realise the seriousness of it. And there's other people who think, oh, well, you know, I've told the truth, I've walked out and nothing's going to happen. And, and some people receive summons quite surprised that they're going to be charged, probably because they've thought, oh, well, you know, I've told the truth, the police are there, they just wanted to listen to my side of the story and, you know, nothing's going to happen. Oh, here's a summons. I'm going to sound like a, a sort of a stuck record. Legal advice, I, I, I know that lawyers aren't always the most popular professions <laughs> in society, um, and particularly criminal defence. Um, it's really important um, that people recognise that there's a reason there are defence practitioners. It's because... You know, the enormity of the state charging is a big deal. You need help in that situation. You need advice and you need proper professional legal advice. So you walk out there and and you think, oh, everything's fine. Suddenly you get served a summons. It's not so fine. Mm. Um, It's at that point, if you haven't already, you need to go and see a solicitor before you uh, turn up at court. Having said that, there are um, duty solicitors at court but they're limited on what they can do. And if you're someone who's working with income, you know, you're not going to be eligible for legal aid. Mm. So it's important to have that opportunity to have the advice before you go to court. The other thing I should say is the Law Institute Victoria have a um, scheme, I think, a referral scheme. And you go on their website and they provide they letters can, for they, free half hour. Correct, yeah, they can give you a referral. There's also community legal centres yep. that also have a number of people that can help as well. Yeah. In every area, there's uh, community legal centres uh, in your local areas. I know Moreland have one, Fitzroy have one, Marab and somewhere down yeah. there. Yeah. Mm. So it doesn't have to cost the earth, but it is important to get it. Yeah. In fact, it doesn't have to cost anything. So if we back up a little bit and say, I haven't been charged at the end of interview, um, how long can I be held for without charge by the police? Well, if you're not charged at the end of the interview, you're going to be released. One of the things that the police might ask for is your fingerprints, mm-hmm. and they can obtain those with force. And also the DNA swabbing. DNA is not automatic, though. Mm. They have to apply. If you refuse, they'd have to apply to the court for mm. an order. So that's those sorts of things are really important why why legal advice is important, because your fingerprints you, you need to give, but your DNA um, you could refuse. So um, 
it depends. It's very difficult to advise you, and I don't even know what you're. You know, there's no disclosure <laughs> here. This is terrible. I haven't told you what I'm accused of. I don't know. Of, I yeah. can't tell you. What I mean, is this, yeah. this, what is this? Yeah, well, it's a hypothetical. Is what it is. Well, uh, there's so many, <laughs> so many different outcomes. And so, how does bail work? <laughs> bail is um, an undertaking to comply um, in order. Essentially, bail is to get someone to court. Right. And when the risks are, and this is really simplifying it because you don't want me to go into all the tests of you know exceptional circumstances, etc. But bail is is a way of reducing risk to an acceptable level where someone can remain in the community. So risk to the community. Yeah. So it, but uh, flight risk. Uh-huh. So if someone's uh, are they going to turn up to court? Are they going to commit any further offences? Are they going to inf- interfere with witnesses? Um, or the course of justice, um, what's the risk of that person being in the community? And we hear about this, you know, it's been well publicised in regards to, uh, and it's a controversial topic of of whether someone should be in the community or not, mm-hmm. um, bail or on sentence. So um, the presumption is if you've had no prior convictions and you're not in one of the other categories where you're not on an order or you're not a certain type of an offence, there's a presumption of bail. Um if any of the exceptions arise, then it becomes harder and harder and harder to get bail until you're remanded in custody. It's very simply put. That didn't sound too simple to me. <laughs> <laughs> it gets far more complicated. Yeah, I can only imagine. So does that um does does that sort of system or does this whole process always work the same way? Or is it does it vary, you know, according to what's happened or what you've been accused of or you know Well the law's the law. Right. And the tests are the same, uh-huh. but no case is ever going to be the same. Right. So no person is going to have exactly the same history or offences or allegations as the next person. So, I mean, law is just boundaries and walls that we've all got to work within, um, but every case is different. Right. Have we missed anything here, John? No, no. That, that's, ex- that's a perfect way to explain So this it. is the, <laughs> the perfect uh, explanation of, of what happens when I get arrested. The, uh, the takeaway is then, you know, the number one takeaway is probably that the cops aren't there to be your friend <laughs> and that you should always ask for legal advice uh, if you're arrested. Thank you very much for the, uh, the advice on my hypothetical uh, arrest there, well, Good luck uh, with it. I hope you get acquitted. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll be um, <laughs> knocking on your door for, um, you know, well, how do I get defence uh, on my hypothetical <laughs> arrest at some point in the future. Um, Rosalind Avis is a barrister at the Victorian Bar and we're very grateful uh, that you've joined us on the Legal Ease podcast. Uh, thanks also to John, John Millier, Principal at uh, Millier Lawyers. Thanks to Greenslist Barristers for their support in putting this podcast together. And of course, we must put our disclaimer in that this is a general advice only. And uh, if you require specific advice or assistance, you should contact a legal practitioner, perhaps one of the two that is sitting uh, on this uh, <laughs> on this interview. Thank you for joining us uh, for Legal Ease Australia. We hope you learned something and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon.